And welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. James is off on a Patrick Flotman short-term loan this week, so I'm in the host chair. Adam's here as usual. We've got Scott McCormick in off the bench. Scott, it's been a while since you had had you on the show. How are you? Yes, I am good, thank you, uh, Scott and Adam. And it has been a little bit. It's been about nine months almost since I've been on here, so a little holiday away from you guys there. But um, I'm back and happy to be on again. Saving the impact for when it's needed at the back end of the season. Now, Adam, did you approve of this loan? Because I'm not sure that I did. Uh, yes, I did. I'll lay out to it. I uh, signed the paperwork and uh, sent him down to hang out with uh, Matt Damon and the Hemsworths and all the rest of them down in Byron. It's a tough life. We'll give him this one. But we'll be back next week, we hope. All right, plugs to the show before we get into the full show. Um, Facebook at Rory, Twitter at BNE Football, the email BrucemanFootballview at gmail.com, and our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms. I will jump straight into the first game of the two, the game against Melbourne City on Sunday down there in Melbourne at Amy Park. It was a 3-2 win for Melbourne City. Goals from Metcalf, Jameson and Galloway for the host. Champs and Gillespie for the Raw. Two changes for the Raw in this game, Adam, and it was Daly and Kudo in for Akbari and Windsor Halls. Almost what we'd consider at this point, the normal rotation at this point, given the Raw's heavy schedule. Yeah, it's, uh, it looks like, yeah, that uh, Dylan Wenzel-Halls and uh, Masato Kudo, they seem to, due to workload and whatnot, I think Kudo, he just doesn't do for, for, you know, two games in a week, you know. So I think, yeah, obviously he, he's the one that came in after missing out uh, in midweek against uh, Western United. And I think with Dylan Wenzel-Halls, he's the obvious choice because I think there's been concerns in the past about his workload and the way he plays the game. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, with uh, I think with the start of the season, even without the heavy workload, you see a lot of young players sort of get rested a little bit to make sure that they do keep their impact, whether it's off the bench or maybe not playing a full 90 minutes every week. So I think this was always going to happen with players like Wenzel Halls and the Dailies and the uh, Denzakers as well with their workload with being so high. But I, I guess it, it does uh, provide a different opportunity for us to go for with Kudo not really being a player to run in behind, but more of a hold-up player, a bit like uh, Scott McDonald used to be where he can hold the ball and be a target man and play it in. But it is good options for Warren Moon with the squad that he has built to be able to rotate and still have a good squad on the park every week. It is. And they've, all, they've had to do this in the last few weeks. And it probably cost them at the end, didn't it, guys? With the, the lost bit of momentum with the substitute. We'll, talk about, we'll skip to the end now because we're talking about But they did 
the changes that they made in the second half probably didn't help, did they? Scott? Uh, it, it, yeah, it does sort of slow the momentum down a bit. I, I guess if you do make a few changes towards the end of the game that uh, you might be able to, like, uh, with, the, with the players that you do bring on, they may not bring on the impact that you might have or with having to make the combinations, obviously. They've trained together, uh, but uh, I guess... Uh, with the defense of Melbourne City, with how compact they are, they just held out the roar in the end, and the impact of the bench wasn't there this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a, one of those things where, um, yeah, it, it, you go from one game plan to to another. I think you know City sort of was, were pretty well versed on you know, I'm, you know pretty much countering when they it was a, it was a good good effort to get to two two as all, well, but I think the Galloway goal uh, to make it three two it was always going to be tough for the Raw given the amount of games they played. You know unless unless they were presented the opportunity by this C team who I think are clearly are the best in the league at the moment, um, it was always going to be difficult to come back. I think they're the the subs at the end of the day just could not find a way um, through for that uh, equaliser. I've seen Adam. The Raw, they started off slowly once again in this game. Two goals early. They were down 2-0. And it, the City had a lot of chances in this first half. So it could have been even more. But the Raw did really well to get themselves back into the game. What would you make of the whole first half? Because I thought City had a lot of chances. Look, I think it's actually credit to um, to the to the raw players, and uh, I sort of I, I mentioned this to um, to Warren Moon at the uh, press conference on Tuesday up at uh, at Morton Daly Stadium about was he pleased about the heart and character of this of this team because it's very very easy at two 0 down, you know, fourth game in eleven days to think, oh well, it's not our day. We'll just you know put in a half hearted effort, you know, try and sort of you know go into damage limitation. But the fact that you know, they they were down and out, and, you know, and it could it could have been anything after 25 minutes, but to fight back to two two, I thought was such you know showed such heart and such character of this squad. Eventually they were they had four three two you know with that with that goal in the second half. But look, I think the, the performance was you know a very very I guess character building performance if you can call it anything. And Scott, how important do you reckon that first goal was for Joey Champs? Because they all were well, they weren't necessarily under the pump, but they weren't creating a lot. And that was the first real chance that they had, and he took it really well. Yeah, Joey did well, and he's been in great form of late, and it just shows what his ability is. And I mean, when he was at Newcastle, he was he, he could have been a bolter for the Socceroos squad if he stayed stayed playing in the form that he was in, in the combination with Petrados that he had there. And he sort of brought that form to the rule, which is uh, what I sort of thought I knew would happen. It just took a little bit to get into it. But the form that he's been showing, it's 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 great for him and it's great for the team as well because it does give the opportunities down the wings for for Jay O'Shea to play in a ball over the top with his pinpoint passes, then put the ball onto the foot of Dillman's or Halls or Danzaki coming through. So I think for the Raw, definitely, uh, the, it was a goal to boost the boost the confidence of the team because being two 0 down, like Adam said, anything could have happened. I was sort of thinking, oh, this might be a whitewash here if they don't step up, but. To be able to stay in the game and actually get up to 2-2 to be able to possibly win in the game in the end was a, I think it was a great kickstart that um, the Raw and, and also uh, that Joey Champness needed to keep pushing on and um, pushing towards the win. Absolutely. Now, we knew it would take Joey a little while to get back into football, having been missing last year for his music career. But this last month, he's really been one of the best players in the league, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be in the top two or three players in the league. Um, at at the moment, he he's just been an exceptional performer. It looks like as well that 
he he seems to be the player that you know is you know indispensable at the moment in this um sort of through this period that you know obviously they they're shifting around you know play you know with the Dylan Winslow Halls and you know Ricky Denzaki only playing certain minutes not saying they're not playing well but Joe Champers at the moment is playing 90 minutes and he looks like the one player that is you know that really can hurt the opponents you know more more than probably any other in this raw lineup at the moment. Absolutely. In the second goal, Scott, was a, a corner from Corey Brown. It was into Gillespie. Again, these set pieces have been really dangerous in the last couple of years. Something we haven't seen in the years past. It's been, for a long time, the raw set pieces were just, you knew they weren't going to score. But this last couple of years, they're becoming quite dangerous. Yeah, it is good to see. And I think that does help with, uh, I guess, the person that may not be speak about. Uh, Brits they brought in. Uh, I mean, bring in the tall timber of Gillespie and Tommy Aldred coming in there getting up and actually being dangerous from set pieces there, it, it does uh, provide us chances for like players like O'Shea and um, Brown that can whip them in well and, to the, and put them on a dime for the players there. It just gives um, the Roar a lot more opportunity to score. And it, it, it like you said before, like in, in the past, um, players like Matt Mackay and Henrique and Mazamo Madoka being a generally short team and then having some tall timber at the back. And even in even in the attack with Joey Cham, just how many needs a threat in the air being quite tall and, uh, agile on the air so it, it is good to see having a lot, a lot of tall timber there to be threats on set pieces and corners so yeah it's a great it's a great avenue to, um for the raw to have it's good to see you got the email there scott as well but adam it has been a really good weapon for the raw in the last couple of years Oh, absolutely. And um, I don't think we've actually seen the sort of the, the triad of um, Gillespie, uh, Tom Aldred and Scott Neville, who are all three very noted, you know, you know, tall players that can really sort of, you know, do some damage, you know, from set pieces. So once they all sort of, you know, get back playing regular uh, football together, you know, and, and sort of, you know, Jay O'Shea and Corey Brown's delivery, you know, is sort of, you know, if it's on par, Look, it, it could be a real weapon that the Raw sort of has. One thing that you, you're right that we did that, you know, at least Fox Sports aren't throwing around stupid stats like, oh, one one corner goal in 200 attempts <laughs> or some nonsense like that. Like, that certainly is, um, those days are past. Absolutely. And when it did get to two all in the second half, and the Raw was starting to create a couple of chances, do you think they might be able to, to pull off the comeback to get to 3 2? Because it seemed like they had a couple of really good chances in the second half. Yeah, look, it was. It, I think it was inevitable that you know Melbourne City were probably going to be the most likely to score. But that's not to say that Raw didn't have the chances, you know, there to you know take a surprise lead, and that would have then you know really thrown the um, cat amongst the pigeons as far as you know how would Melbourne City react after being so dominant in the first half to then find themselves behind. That would have been a great test for Des Buckingham and how he how he played it. So it was unfortunate for the Raw that they didn't get that that go ahead goal, but. Um, but yeah, look, I think City, there was an inevitability at the end of the day that they, they were probably going to run over the top and, and score that third goal. But yeah, take your opportunities and go to a very, very different ball game. Yeah, with with the 2-2 score at halftime, the, the momentum was with the Raw. I mean, Melbourne City probably would have thinking, oh, what are we going to do now that they're coming at us now. We're going to have to make sure we continue to push. And I guess the, the heavy schedule of the Raw and having... um so many games and so many days, it's going to take a toll on the players, but the rotation that Warren Moon's been doing, they actually sort of finished the uh, the half stronger in the end. Uh, was unlucky, I guess, in the end, but you'd always thought that Melbourne City are a strong team, and it, it does show that the competition that the Roar are up there, even though they've got the games in hand, they've got to get the points to 
put themselves in that position, even though they're sitting in the sixth, they could push it against all the teams in the in the top six and everyone in the competition at the moment. So they they definitely, I guess this com- uh, this game gets to show the rule that they're a real competitor and they shouldn't be um, looked at as a a team that shouldn't be. Uh, I guess you shouldn't be like uh, second guessing them every time you play. Absolutely. I, I kind of thought the Raw could have got something out of it. I think on the break, they looked quite dangerous with Wenzel Halls and Dan Zarkin. They, they had to make the changes and all the rest we spoke about earlier, which probably dented it. But I thought they had enough opportunities. In the end, it was a great goal from Scott Galloway. Wasn't it there, Scott, who won the game for Melbourne City? It was a tremendous strike from the byline almost. They're a really tight angle. Yeah, it was a good goal. And in saying that, though... The raw, the raw did really well to get up to that stage. To be, I, th- I think their heads dropped a little bit, but in saying that, you never thought that they couldn't win it from that stage there. They still had chances after that, and it was a bit unlucky not to uh, get a point out of that game. I think they played well enough to get a point, but in saying that, having a 3-2 score against the team that's coming top, that probably will be the premiers at the end of the season, is a really respectable score, especially with the uh, the bad record that the Brisbane Raw have over the last few years down at Amy Park. Yeah, one win in 16 down there at Amy Park against City. Adam, the only win was the first time they played down there, and it was against Melbourne Heart. Yeah, I, I, it's it's one, it's almost as um as a, a you know paranormal stat like being unbeaten at 20 games against Central Coast Mariners. It's just something that you know you can't put your finger on. Like it's it's not like Amy Park is the most hostile venue in the league. We got great support down there, you know, from both the you know raw raw fans of Melbourne who you know always show up. You know, we have visitors that go down there. It's, it's one of the favoured um, sort of away games. You know, I, I know myself personally. You know, if I could get down to Melbourne, that, that'd be a, a you know the games that I'd be choosing. So I just don't know. Uh, it's just one of those weird um, weird stats that you know it's yeah hard to. I'd sort of put your finger on why. You got any theories on what the problem is down in Melbourne, Scott? I it might have something to do with the uh, you know, or the the seagulls and stuff that fly around. You never know. I mean, they're they're always there. They might be throwing some hostile uh, chants at the rural fans and the rural players there. Maybe dropping a few bombs as they fly past. <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take that theory any day. So my yeah, theory, know, the maybe that is. <laughs> so my theory is they like some silly egg ball code down there, and it puts them off when they travel down there. That's my theory anyway. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the second game of the doubleheader in the last seven days. And You mentioned, Adam, the Raw might not have a great record in Melbourne. They've got a great record, however, against Central Coast Mariners, and that did continue last night, albeit in the shape of a nil-all draw at Dolphin Stadium. It was, I guess, a nil-all draw. Two changes once again, the usual. Akbari wins a hauls in for Daly, who was suspended, and Masato Kudo. But this was a, the first half in particular. There wasn't a lot happening, was there, Scott? It was a game where it seemed like the conditions once again told. Mm, yes, yeah, definitely. The, at Dolphins, I mean, it's a great stadium there, but without the cover and with um, being right close to the beach and this and the shoreside, it's uh, likely to be raining. Unfortunately, over the in a sunshine state, there's, there seems to be a lot of rain over in, on the days when the Brisbane Raw seem to play a home game, which definitely doesn't help the players with the ball getting stuck on the pitch all the time. And yeah, it was it wasn't a very good game with a, a few chances from either team. More towards the second half, there was a few more chances. But in in saying that though, the Raw did play well and to get a point against the team, which most teams did think that I uh, I mean could go on and wish, um hopefully do it for the Mariners fans because I mean they've going through a, a tough spell over the last few years, but they've sort of dropped off as well. So it it wasn't the best condi- um game and and conditions for the Raw, but a point for the Mariners isn't too bad of a result. It is probably a better point for the Mariners and Royal Note about that. But Mr. Mayor, mm-hmm. this is the third home game in a row where the field up there has been had some surface water in it. And can you please do something about this? I mean, this is this is your territory. What's going on? 
Oh, geez, I'll just I'll just give Mother Nature a call. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, it's just it's just bad luck. It, it really it really is just horrendous. You know that you know every single time. I think we even have a joke now about oh, match day it must be raining. No, it's a, it's just it's just one of those things. Look, I reckon to be quite honest, um, after the absolute deluge that came down um, yesterday during those those wild storms, um, to, the fact that they actually got on and played on that, and, and as, as sort of yeah heavy as it was, um, oh yeah, the the um, Morton Daly Stadium staff actually did a great job at least getting it to a I guess a playable condition. Look, it was it was better than it was against Wellington a couple of weeks ago. Put it that way. Absolutely. And in fairness, between the storm last night and the traffic along the motorway to get up there, I was just glad to get to, to Morton Day's day. It certainly took a lot longer than usual, but it seemed like in the second half, things lived up a bit more. Scott, the Raw had a goal disallowed early in the second half there from Joey Champness. Wenzel Halls with a good strike, which was parried away, and Champness on the follow-up, but he was offside, wasn't he? Yes, yes. And uh, it was an easy call for the linesman in the end there. And uh, I guess with the VAR, they're always going to check it as well, but... In saying that, that's the chances that you get for the rule with Dylan Wenzel Halls and Joey Champness in the form that they've been in. There's always going to be chances there. It's just unfortunate not to put one in the back of the net. We, we, we'll we talk about later on probably, but the, the crossbar hit that Joey Champness got and the other one from uh, right at the end there with, uh, was it Oliver Bazanich hit the crossbar uh, right at the end there? I mean, that was probably the two best chances of the game. But in saying that, I think it's it was probably more chance that the rule could have got the three points than the, the Mariners. But in saying that, it's... I guess no team deserved to lose that game in the end with the least chances and the weather conditions didn't play their part. They didn't. Well, we'll talk about those chances in a moment. But firstly, Adam, that combination in the front, the, the Raw with Wenzel Halls and Champs, we've seen it growing in the last two weeks. It's really becoming a strong combination. Oh, absolutely. I think this is, uh, it's it's probably their number one um, sort of combination. You throw Ricky Danzaki on the other side. Um, that, that that that's your that's your number one attacking combination. I think the you know, the the sort of you know, the, the speed to burn as well. And you can you tell that the game plan is Jared Shea just trying to pick off you know the the um the fullbacks you know the opponents trying to get trying to get Danzaki and um. And uh, Champness behind, in and behind, and yeah, poor poor old Stefan Negro. He he had a torrid time in the first half. Um, not only dealing with uh, Joe Champness, but also as well the the heavy uh, sort of pitch, which in that sort of north northeastern corner, so northwestern corner, I should say, was probably the heaviest it was. And he slipped a couple of times, and uh, and the rest of the times that Joey Champness just went right past him. So and he he only lasted um, about fifty minutes before he was uh, given the hook. So. So yeah, that, that's probably your, num- your number one combination um, as far as the attacking weapons go for the raw. Yeah, it, um, Dillman's Halls and Joey Champness there. They're both electric, and it, I think the game plan for Joey is because he's got this, some good skills and footwork. If you if you're standing up against it, and if you if he's attacking a defender that's standing square on him, he's either going to go through him or he's going to go around him. It's not really going to have a lot of time for the defender to turn. So. Being on a wet surface like that, where Stefan Nigger was sliding around all around the pitch, there, uh, Joey Champness really made the took advantage of that and got in behind a few times there. And it's just a, few, a bit unlucky that the rule couldn't make use of it. And some of the shots that, that did go straight to the keeper, hopefully, and on a day where it wasn't so wet, might have gone in. Absolutely, you did mention earlier Joey Champness did hit the crossbar, probably the best chance for the rule. But Bozanik laid on with a, I'm going to call it a speculative cross. God, I don't have to think he was shooting to me, but that hit that was probably the Mariners' best chance as well. But it wasn't a game with. A tremendous amount of chances was it, Scott? I mean, it was, it was a game where it just, it was a very tight, tense game, and not a lot happened. Unlike the game a couple of weeks ago down in Gosford. 
Yeah, it, it was a it was a game with limited chances. It was uh, it wasn't the best spectacle to watch. I mean, for once, I actually wasn't at a home game for uh, surprisingly there. But in saying that, I was stayed at home and I was dry. But I, it didn't really look like I missed out on a whole lot there. But in saying that, a point is a point, and it's one more a point and closer to the second place on the table. Gee, I missed a game. It turns out to be a five nil winner for Melbourne victory. You missed a game. and It's a nil all <laughs> nil all draw against the Mariners. That's something wrong with that picture there, Adam. Yeah, but um, look, it, to, to me, it just it just seemed like a typical, you know, semi-final sort of, you know, so intensely matched. But unfortunately, what we let down was the conditions. Um, and look, it's it's very very hard, you know, for for teams, especially you know, from the motivation point of view, on a Wednesday night to come out, you know, on that heavy track. Um, yeah, it would, but it did have that sort of that the finals um, sort of feel to it, you know, sort of tightness where one opportunity was always going to win it. Um, neither team could find it on the night, but I think certainly these are two of the better teams in uh, in the league at the moment. Absolutely, we'll talk about a couple of players in a moment. First, let's hear from what Warren had said in the press conference last night after the nil all draw against Central Coast Mariners. Uh, look, again, it's uh, it's a it's a point, it's a clean sheet, um, some encouraging performances today. It's not what we wanted, but it's uh, look. It, we'll take it. We'll move on, and we we quickly regroup and go into Sunday's game against Adelaide now. Um, Danny Kim and sorry to be back in the loose watch first row. How do you think they went? Very well. Yeah, I thought Danny came on, did a good job. But it's been difficult for Danny because he's uh, got an injury at a really bad time in our preseason, and then you've seen the emergence of Ramit and Jesse. So he's had to be patient and, and bide his time. And thought he came on tonight, was very composed, and did a good job. So. Pleased for him, and look, and then we saw what Cyrus can do. He uh, showed a glimpse of his of his ability, and uh, was a handful when he came on. And on another night and a, a drier track, he might have caused even more problems. So that was what Warren had to say there last night in the press conference. And Adam, he, we, he just spoke there about Cyrus Demi, and we've seen him play really, really well for the youth team. He finally got his opportunity again last night, and he didn't disappoint off the bench. He certainly added a bit of liveness in the front third. I'll tell you what, uh, yeah, Cyrus Demi, you know, we, we, we've had the privilege of watching him over the last two seasons grow in the MPL and whatnot. And like Alex Parsons, he came into this game with confidence. And if it wasn't for, you know, a, you know, a great bit of defending from Ron Tongik, he, he could have very, very well easily had his first... Um, his first A League goal because it, that, that's all that stopped him was you know a great a great bit of defence you know from Tongik that otherwise could have seen you know Demi get through but the, the skill and touches that you've seen we, we see it we've seen it every week you know when he plays for the Young Raw in the MPL Queensland competition but it is great to see him do that at senior level as well. Absolutely, his first touch is dynamic, isn't it? And the Mariners seemingly only had one option, but it was just a foul him, wasn't it? And what have you made of the his impact in the A League teams along with? Young Alex Parsons. I mean, both of them have been absolute revelations this year, coming in from the youth team. Yeah, both the young players there, and a lot of the young players for the Raw this season have really stepped up and get to show what they can, are really the really the talent that really is in the MPL. I mean, Cyrus Demi bringing his form from the uh, from the youth league into the A League. I mean, he's he's like he t- like he said his touch is just brilliant, and he's he's so electric and he's so strong on the ball. He, like he said, he could have maybe got a goal. And I mean, Alex Parsons how he cuts into his left foot, and he can also shoot in his right. It just gives uh, defenders a nightmare when he's defend- defending against him. And I guess with the with the confidence and the goal-scoring form that they've both been in, then it's, it's only a matter of time before they break into that first team and really start making their way in, onto the uh, the goal-scoring charts for the Raw. Do you think Alex could be in line for a start coming? Because his impact seems to be growing each week off the bench. Do you think it could be potentially Scott time to have a look at him from the starting lineup? 
I, I think it could be. I mean, with especially with the amount of games there and the rotations you're getting, we haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, rotation through the uh, either the midfield or the attacking sense, apart from maybe Akbari and Jesse Daly there. I mean, with 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 the form that Jay O'Shea has been in, as well as uh, Riku Denzaki and uh, Joey Champs, as well as Dylan Zorzis, it is hard to drop them. But in saying that, maybe some Cyrus gets a start over Kudo, possibly, and Kudo gets a chance off the bench. In, in saying that, though, you probably start Kudo from the start if you are going to play him, just because of the fact that he 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 hasn't got as much pace, so you don't really have a lot of chances to burn defenders when they do get on. But I definitely think the form that they're in and the rotation and the amount of um, games we'll get, I definitely think that there's a chance that maybe one, if not both, of them could start in the, in the coming weeks. When Alex Parsons comes on, he actually looks like a player that can break the game open. Now he he you know. He, he sort of brings that spark of life, you know, from you know, for for attack that you know, sort of as well seems to sometimes sort of get frustrated, can't re break through. He comes on, and all of a sudden, you know, coupled up with you know the way Joe Champers is playing, and it's another threat. Whereas you know, it seems to be you know one or two threats, you know, with um with Dylan Windsor Halls if he sort of you know is having a game and getting involved. So he actually you know, looks like you know a player that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know whether yeah you know, he'll he'll bring that same threat from right from the start. But look, it's it's worth throwing a dice. I think rolling the dice on it because uh, at the moment, especially with you know you know so many, having so many draws, it's starting to get sort of you know predictable almost. It would be worth you know you know throwing you know, a Parsons or a Cyrus Demi in the start just to see if nothing else to see what they do. If they basically sink or swim. Absolutely, it's certainly been dynamic with Ben. You mentioned the Alex Parsons. I think he. If you're going to start either, I think he would be the one that you'd start just to give Dan Zarkyod Champness a break from the line. It's been a lot of games for both, and maybe that might be a rotation that could work. Now, one rotation which we did see, oh, one player come into the rotation, I should say, last last night was Danny Kim, Adam. It was his first game of the A-League season. Been playing a lot in the youth team, coming back from injury, and he did quite well when he came off the bench, didn't he? He did, and uh, it's starting to show glimpses of you know what what he's capable of. He's he's had a wretched season. Um, Warren Moon sort of has pointed out that you know from from an injury point of view, it happened the worst possible time for him, and because of form and uh, and whatnot, he just hasn't had the opportunities to sort of to recover fully and then sort of take his place back. Because this time last year, we're talking about him as a starting you know starting midfielder, but obviously the form of Rama Akbari, uh, Jesse Daly signing as well, JSH has just been you know sublime you know in 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 that midfield role, um, it was very very hard to to um to sort of you know give Danny Kim the opportunity to sort of feel his way back into it. So he's, he's had to be impatient. And um yeah, look, he he he's shown you know that he he as well can sort of fit within this um squad. Yeah, I do I do think it's a bit weird that we didn't get to see Danny Kim there um for the first time only this uh this game here. I mean he he ended the back half of last season very well and then into the finals as well and he's been a a brilliant player in the NPR over the last few years, and he showed his quality there, and he also showed his quality last night when he came on the pitch. Uh, Danny Kim, he was he was one of the players that I thought would be starting, or if not in in the rotation off the bench at the start of the season. But the former Bakbari, which saw himself get a contract and being in Warren Moon's uh, starting lineup most weeks, uh, it's it's been it's great it's great for the team and it's great for the league to have uh, competition for players, and it's going to push Danny and. Jesse and Akbari, which is fighting basically for two spots in that midfield with O'Shea as the mainstay there. It's going to push them every even harder to um, make their starting spot or make their spot in their squad. And Danny's been playing well in the NPL. And I mean, it's and it's also shown that, I mean, he's, he's in the game team now and possibly maybe staying in the team with the, with the amount of games in, in there. He might get a start as well. 
That's your competition for places, no doubt about that. Now, Adam, it's time for the three, two, ones player of the year. We always we do this every week. Now, I'm I'm up this week for the Melbourne City away game, so I went three points to Joey Champs. I thought he was dynamic for the Roar in that game. I just felt he was Ollie was the Roar's most likely threat going forward. Two for Macaulay Gillespie and one for Kytron. I thought they were both really solid at the back, and Gillespie was a goal as well. So that's my three, two, one for the Melbourne City game. Adam, what's yours for Central Coast? Uh, yep, just, just double check to make sure it's right. Yep. So actually, three points for a player we haven't actually mentioned uh, from that game last night, and that was Jamie Young. I got uh, five saves. You know, made made a couple of good saves. His obviously he just is marshalling at the back. We just don't question it. You know, it's it's Jamie Young. It's pretty automatic. But yeah, look, uh, three points for him. Two points, Kai Truon. Just again, you know, defensively he's been. Yeah, you know, he's been very, very solid. Again, you know, him and Remat Akbari, I think, have been the two players that have really sort of stood out and surprised the season where we thought maybe they're still another year away from you know being, you know, being sort of you know first team footballers, but both of them have really shone and Kytron, especially in the last uh last sort of month or so, has really sort of you know shown great form. And for one point, can't go past Joe Champness. He was just a constant threat last night down that um that left wing and uh yeah very very unlucky not to to score he was now we can't answer this question scott because we've been doing this week to week so who if, if you were gonna jump in now so who would be your play, player of the year contender so far for laura at this point who's who's impressed you this year yeah well i think adam mentioned uh kai true and there is not one that you would have thought of he's probably not my my player of the year yet, but he's probably most improved. I think I think he's uh, come out in leaps and bounds with the chances of the the with the injuries and the the um, with Scott Neville not being in the team at the start. He really made sure that there's they're making sure they're on their game as well. I did put at the start of the season a little prediction that I thought it was going to be, and that was Joey Champness. And I mean, he's showing his form now, but consistently through the year, you'd probably have to look at. Riku Denzaki, Jamie Young, and Jay O'Shea is probably the best three. Dylan wins a horse as well up there, I think. For me, it'd probably be Denzaki. He's probably been my uh, player of the year so far. I mean, he's he's popping up for goals and assisting, and his his work rate is second to none. He's he's all over the pitch, always trying to fight for that ball. He does go in uh, missing out a few games there. He um he I think he just gets marked out of the game a little bit by um opposition players, seeing that um he's such a good player, and I hope that we can keep him. He's only on loan, obviously, but um, we might have to throw a bit of money into him to keep. But Joey as well. Hopefully, we can keep him as well because he's only on loan, but. I think there's probably more chance we keep him with the with the Jets and how their team with their money issue that they have at the moment. Probably true. Those, those producers are quite good, though. And better than the usual host. What did, what did he say? Something about Gillespie would be replaced within three months. Of the <laughs> Aaron <last> Reardon. <laughs> Aaron Reardon will come into the See, side. This is the sort of impact we were looking for, isn't that right, Adam? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, but uh, look, uh, all be revealed after the final game against uh, Sydney Outvotes. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm the gatekeeper when it comes to that. So, yeah, uh, very interesting picks you made. Yes, so anyone who wants to know what's going on, ask Adam, because I don't, nobody else has a clue about yeah. that. But we, we we said this week, Scott, that these two games were going to be really important to, to define the Royal season and see what we could expect from them. So with these two games now in the past, what where do you think they sit going into the final few games of the season in terms of what they can achieve and where they might finish on the table? Well, I guess you could have looked at these two games as, uh, I guess, the two form teams at the start of the competition. One team has pushed on Melbourne City. Mariners have sort of dropped off a little bit. And the, the table is quite condensed with one or two points um, separating both second to, like, seventh or eighth. So uh, I guess 
you could have looked at these two games as contenders or pretenders. Would we be a contender or would we be looked at as a pretender? And I think we really showed that, I mean, with, with the conditions, obviously, with the Mariners game, that it did hurt us a little bit there in that sense. But uh, I definitely think that we can be seen as a contender there, coming back from 2-0 down to pushing Melbourne City and only losing 3-2 down in Melbourne. And then with Mariners, which did have good form at the start of the season, show that we can have, we have a bit of attacking flair there. And with a home crowd, they're hopefully pushing us through. And uh, the waveform that we've actually been surprisingly been in good away form, actually, away from home, playing well. I definitely think we are a contender there. I probably think we still will probably fall we, between second and fourth, hopefully, if, if points go our way, which will be still a, a good uh, season for us. But I think there's no team in the competition that we can't beat on our day, and it's just about performing. And hopefully the scheduling doesn't get a hold of us and we can keep pushing on. Well, the scheduling's certainly been difficult. The Raw do find themselves in sixth after that, by the way. Sixth on tw- thir- 31 points, but... Between second place Mariners and and eighth place Western United, it's only five points. So Adam, it's still incredibly tight in that in that midfield battle there. And we thought maybe the Raw had the chance to to kick clear and almost consolidate second spot, but it's still very very tight. Yeah, and um, one thing to note from um, Alan Stajic's um, sorry Alan Stajic, I think that's the pronunciation. Double. Get it right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Stadge's um, press conference last night that you now, even though Mariners, they are six games without a win now, it, it, is, it is a tough competition at the moment. And there's other than Melbourne City, who are now who are now unbeaten you know, in seven, there's no team sort of really can, you know, other than the Raw, who had just had their streak ended, no other team in that sort of that group of eight are really sort of you know, showing form. It's very patchy and whatnot, and points are at a premium. So it is a bit disappointing that the Raw, you know, they, they've had two free shots of going into second place. Um, they've sort of squandered that, and they probably get one more opportunity. But uh, but yeah, look, I think Raw probably you know they're that third, fourth, fifth sort of in, in the um in the competition. But yeah, the, the top eight teams, I think they all in the day can uh, beat each other. And, and, I, and I throw Melbourne City in that. They they seem to be the form team at the moment. But you know, one or two crucial injuries, and all of a sudden they may come back to the pack. They may just have enough points in the bank to claim the silverware. The Raw do still have that one game in hand next week against Perth Glory that you mentioned. That will be very important. Another midweek home game. Looking forward to talking about that later on, perhaps. But firstly, we've got to go through some of the news. And Scott, we've had we mentioned that James is on a Patrick Flotman-esque short-term loan, and it was a it was a very short-term loan, wasn't it? Because he's he was arrived two weeks ago and he's gone. Now played about 23 minutes. I know Adam wants to go off on quite a long rant here, so I'll go to you first. What did you make of firstly his impact on the team, and then secondly, do you think was it the right thing to bring him in, or would you have gone with one of the younger guys like Jordan Courtney Perkins to give him those minutes. Yeah, it was an interesting signing. When I did see it first come, I was thinking, why? And then I sort of looked into it and I saw that uh, it was because of an injury placement for Tommy Aldridge. So I was hoping that it wasn't going to be long-term and it turned out it wasn't too long-term, which is good. But in saying that, I was I was wondering why wouldn't one of the youth players come in and maybe like, like the Courtney Perkins coming in and maybe a Hussey Ramazani sitting on the bench. But I guess... I don't know whether it's they have in the back of their mind that they want to continue in their form in the NPL and keep pushing and having the strongest team in the park there. But, I mean, Patrick Flotman, he didn't really have a lot of chances to come off the bench. He played 28 minutes in his four games there. So he he came on for a few injuries there or to hold out the game. I think he did he did well and he held his own when he did come in there. But I, it was a bit of an interesting signing when I did come see it come through. And, I mean, hopefully he does well and finds a spot in some team where he get, does get a bit of game time because there is a bit of potential there. But, uh it's good to have uh, Tommy Aldred hopefully on the way back. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, look, uh, oh, look. I'm not actually. Yeah, I'm not going to rant too much about it. Yeah, it's bit. Yeah, from from that. Um, yeah, look, I, I disagree with. I disagree with the same on a short term line. I, I'm not. I'm not going to back down on that. I, I think. It, I think it was pointless. However, yeah, I look at it as well as that. And it's interesting that you know I asked the question of Warren Moon in the press conference on Tuesday. And they, they sort of know that he was a player that they were interested in looking at, you know, and obviously the opportunity came with the Aldred um, sort of injury to sort of, you know, maybe to get, get him, you know, in, have a look, you know, and, and sort of see that. So it, it, is, it is interesting. And maybe they do have on tabs on him as far as maybe being a future signing. What, what worries me is that has that, you know, sort of done the dash as far as, you know, maybe, I'm not going to use the word alienating, but, you know, sort of maybe lowering the confidence of someone like a Jordan Courtney Perkins, who you would thought naturally would have, you know, in case of an injury to a, you know, to an Aldrich Gillespie, you know, that he would have been the next in line. And and the fact that they go in and bring in a player from a rival club for four games, total 28 minutes, Jordan Courtney Perkins played six minutes in that time. And he was, he was named in the squad every single week, but I was either omitted or on the bench and didn't get start other than six minutes. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a mind-boggling one. But I sort of see the the theory behind it. I just I just don't agree with it. I just don't. I think yeah, when you when you've down to the bare bones and you've got literally no defenders and you've got you're starting to ask players to come out of midfield and play in there. That's why when you go into help, but I didn't think it was really necessary. I thought you know you had. A Jordan Courtney Perkins. You look further down. You had a, you know, a Hassan Ramzani who's, you know, has been lights out, you know, in defence for the young Raw and in, in the MPL side, giving those guys an opportunity. So I don't know if it sends the right message, but look, if if they hold him in high regard enough that you know maybe he might be a future signing, then look, maybe that's the that's, that's the um, method to the madness. Yeah, it struck me as well the old the old school um when you got. Goalkeeper injured before the youth league existed. You sign a player on a short term deal. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, he did okay when he was here, but I would have loved to see Jordan Quintley Perkins get those minutes. But anyway, he was he did move on. There was a player coming in as well, Scott. Anthony Burke Gilroy came in from from um, Altona down there in MPL Victoria. With is an interesting player because he's got a bit of versatility about him. And one interesting to see exactly how he fits in. He's an injury replacement for Jack Ingot. Yeah, it was a bit of an interesting signing as well here with an injury replacement. Hopefully it isn't too long-term, but I think Jack King gets won by the sounds of it. I, I haven't really heard a whole lot. Possibly it could be worse than um, Tommy Aldridge there, but in saying that, uh, I haven't really heard of a whole lot. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't really keep up with the MPL down down south, but in saying that, there, it is good to see the MPL players, even in different states, are getting a chance. And I I think I heard at one stage he did play uh, for the Roar as a, as a trial game uh, when they played against Newcastle in the preseason game. So, I mean, obviously they had tabs on him as well. I wanted to see how he does. So it'd be interesting to see, obviously he's uh, had, he's got had links to Jesse Daly playing over with him over in the MLS over there in the second tier. And he also knows Joey Chamis as well. So whether or not that um, they've had a little recommendation from him, but being down in an MPL team and obviously being tab had had tabs on you by the coach there obviously is quality. And we'll see if he gets a chance here to show his versatility in defense. When yeah, if he gets he- a chance to come in. Absolutely. The only thing you need to know about NPL Victoria, Scott, is it's full of Queenslanders. That's all you need to know about it down there. <laughs> yeah, that's does, the one thing I do know. <laughs> is, he add to, is he add to the list now? I'll now, prob- now, now yeah, that he, uh, Anthony plays for us? I'm going to be petty and say yes, but you were there yesterday <laughs> on Tuesday at that um, press conference yes. Daily Stadium. What, and you had a chance to catch up with Anthony. What did what did you take from that? Yeah, look, he um, he, he seems a player that, you know, obviously that, 
despite his age of 23 years old. Um, look, he's got plenty of experience, Joe. He um, he was part of the um, Academia de Coimbra um, sort of deal that uh, that Joe Champ was on. They actually they roomed together over over there. Um, when they're in Portugal, which which I personally believe is what was the making of Joe Chadmus as a footballer. Um, and then, obviously, then he went off to, he somehow, someway, end up over at Seattle, um, played to, in Tacoma, roomed with, with Jesse Daly over there. And apparently it was actually John Hutchison that actually recommended um, uh, Anthony Burke Gilroy to the Raw. Um, after, after they pretty much they, they chose to, to sign Jesse Daly, obviously there was that connection with Warren Moon back in the Lions days, but they were, they were apparently always keeping tabs of him. And when the opportunity came, um, yeah, they sort of they jumped on chance. As far as Jack Hinger goes, I actually had a chance off the rec- to chat to Jack Hinger off the record up on Tuesday, and he he sort of is confident that he can that he'll be back for four finals. That it's he's feeling good. Um, it maybe it's not as bad as. Um, as sort of you know, his first thoughts, but uh, yeah, obviously he's he's aiming for finals. But uh, yeah, he, he says he's a quick healer, and uh, and yeah, look, I, I I believe him that you know he'll try and get back for finals. But uh, in the meantime, I think the Roar picked up a very handy player and a versatile player in uh, Anthony uh, Burke Gilroy. Absolutely, so he added a lot to the squad. And actually, before we move on from this squad, I mean, with Jack can get out, Josh Brunel is going to get a lot more game time. I've already seen him getting more and more game time now. What are you? What have you made of his impact so far in the course of the season? Because I know Adam and I are big fans of him in terms of the fact that he adds a lot in the front third of the pitch as well as defensively. Yeah, I've been really impressed with uh, Josh Brindle South there. He can play on either side, like you've seen him play on the left, uh, the left wing back and the right wing back. But I think his real his real trait that I really love about him, I mean, he can get forward, he can attack. He's he's popped up for a couple goals there, and he gets in like Corey Brown, and he gets in a, with a few assists and some good crosses as well. But he he gets up and he defends well as well. So I think he does add a little bit more than Jack Kingett, as in the attacking sense. Jack Kingett's a brilliant defender, and he's a uh, he's very uh. Uh, consistent and very good for the rule there, but it does add something when, if you're chasing the game there to bring someone attacking off the bench that can defend as well, like a Brindle South there. I think he's been a great, a great asset to the team and a, and a really, um, um, it's going to, it's going to be really hard for Jack to make his way back into the team, even when he is fit with the, uh, the form that Brindle South has been showing. Absolutely. Now, I'm you to catch up with Warren Moon. Yes. On Tuesday up there at Morton Day. So let's see what Warren had to say. We're talking about the new signing, Anthony Burke Gilroy. Look, he's definitely a player we were aware of. Uh, you know, when um, when we did our scouting with Jesse Daly, he was playing in USL in the States. Uh, another Australian was playing with him, which is Anthony. And uh, so we were definitely aware of his qualities and a couple of good recommendations from John Hutchinson, who coached him over there and, and others. And yeah, so we've kept an eye on him and we know what his qualities are. And, uh, you know, he comes in now at the time when we need him. And uh, yeah, we're happy to have him. The limited research I've done on him, he seems a very versatile player, is that correct? Yeah, very versatile, can play a number of positions. Uh, right back's obviously where we brought him in as cover for Jack while he's out with his injury, but uh, yes, he can certainly cover a couple of positions, which is great. So that was what Warren had to say there about the news tank. Hopefully we'll see him in action in the not-too-distant future. Now, one person we won't see in action in Raw Coles, at least for a while, is Tamiki Yallop, Adam. She's off to West Ham United to link up with Mackenzie Arnold at the head of the new season. Yeah, look, um, great signing, but... Uh, Great, great, great opportunity for uh, Tamika to go over there, you know, and you know, play a trade in the uh, in the women's super league over there. It is, it is, you know, without doubt the hottest you know, sort of you know, league, women's league in the world. And you know, another Australian over there just shows, you know, what those clubs of you know they believe in Australian players and the value they add to it. 
what it does, however, does sort of signal as well is that I think that the fears of, you know, the whole thought that you know, Tony Gustafsson is only going to look at players who are playing overseas, I think that's becoming more and more apparent, you know, with every day. Because, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Tamika, you know, she's got you know, a, young, a young child, you know, I think uh, Chris, Chrissy Alper partner, you know, is, I'm not sure if she's back playing or whether she's, you know, quote, retired. I don't, I don't want to put words out like that. But, um, but yeah, if there's opportunity to go, I, I would have thought that, you know, Tamika might have been happy to stay here if the opportunity presents itself. But obviously, the, you know, to, to make the Matildas at the moment, it sounds like you've got to be playing overseas because the eyes of, you know, selection as far as the Olympics, Asian Cup, you know, World Cup, you know, in two years' time, it's going to be centered on those who are playing in Europe. And, Look, I'm not, and maybe North America as well. And I'm just, yeah, it's it's a bit, it's a bit disappointing in a way. It does seem that way, doesn't it, Scott? Do you think a couple of other players from Rory who had good seasons might need to look at moves abroad if they do have ambitions to make the national team? Yeah, possibly as well. Yeah, I wasn't really a whole lot sure if that would be the case uh, going into the uh, World Cup. Obviously, coming in Australian shores there. If that would still be a thing, obviously, with COVID, it, it does help that everyone's in the same spot, especially when they had camps overseas and games overseas being over there. You're not going to send Matilda's players that were playing in the W League over there for a two-week camp and then hopefully, uh, I mean, disadvantage the actual league as well. So that does hinder the uh, the team as well there. So obviously, with Tamika going over there, her ambition, probably she wants to push herself and see how she can go at that level. But I think one of the main things is if it is the coach wants to see players play overseas, and pick them from overseas clubs, that'd be an ambition as well. Obviously, wanted to play at a World Cup, players moving over there. I mean, it, it, we saw it a lot last season. I think the last time I was on it as well, we talked a lot about it. And if the, the W League will probably end up being more of a developmental league and have players pushing on there. And we saw the likes of uh, India Page Raleigh push on and playing over in, is it is it Denmark that she's playing in now that she's been able to yeah. play against um, Barcelona in the Champions League, which are in the Champions League final now. So it's... It's great to see players like that, and Gilnick has moved over there, and Claire as well. Whether or not they'll be back for next season, who knows? But in saying that, it's 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 good to see the women over there and getting a chance in the the Super League over there with the women uh, showing their love to the Australian players there and getting the players in the world stage. Hey, hey, hey. no, no, no more, no more Super Leagues. We got rid of that thing a few weeks ago. That <laughs> yeah, I made sure I class women as soon as I said it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. <laughs> the, F- the FA Women's Super League, FA. exactly, which I believe wrapped up over the weekend as well but we'll move on to the MPL Queensland and Scott what would you say would be the biggest headline of the weekend in the MPL because there are a couple of them for me Gold Coast Knights continue their dominance in the derby the Raw was their second half masterclass or Olympic hitting strikers to 10 which which of those took your eye or was there something else well I think obviously being an Olympic fan um, I was pretty happy with the result there for, uh, for Olympic hitting 10 over strikers you sort of saw it coming I mean not to that extent anyway we all knew that the strikers were a young squad and they were going to struggle this year and Olympic, I mean, they haven't been in the best form this season, but, I mean, they showed their class. And even with Loftus not even on the uh, on the bench and only got on right at the end there, we normally talk about Loftus as one of the best players. But, I mean, he, uh, Shelfer's day, Shelfer Days, which I I, th- I thought I was a right-back originally. We get to see him a lot more as a striker these days. He's popped up for two goals and two assists in that game. Danny Lack and Shannon Brady there showing their quality. It was, it was a great game for the Olympic there, and it shows worrying signs for John Cosmina there with the strikers. But... The raw the raw's class uh, this this season for the MPL. I mean, they've got a lot of um, players that have played A League minutes there, showing what they can do in the MPL. And I'm sure that there'll be it'll be only a matter of time before a few of those get put into the uh, the actual A League side as well. That I mean, they've been consistent for once this season. A lot of the time, we do see um, a lot of the youth team players have to train with the raw, obviously being in different times of the year. But 
uh, the, the youth side's really pushing for a top two spot. They're in, I mean, they're in third at the moment and they're doing well in the Gold Coast derby there. Gold Coast Knights have been pushing really well and um, just nicked a Gold Coast United there as well. But Penn Power and Gold Coast are both the two the two top sides at the moment that are pushing on and maybe separating the two, uh, the, this, the um, MPL at the moment. They are. And you mentioned the Olympic result wasn't a surprise and it's not a surprise because strikers have been heading on to Dranwood trajectory for a while. It's been heading in that direction for a while, hasn't it, Adam? But of those three, what would you say is the biggest headline of the weekend out of the NPL? Headline, headline, I think, would be um, would be Olympics win over strikers. Just to show, just show that you know, Olympic aren't aren't a spent force. They can you know, turn it on. You know, in an area which they have been struggling a little bit, and that's in an attack, and they, it all seems to come together. But also, it's all highlights. You know, how dire the situation is with Brisbane strikers, as as we spoke about on Sunday night, who are a flagship club. Uh, NSL champions, you know, to, to see the demise of that club and the way it's happened. And, you know, and that's no fault of the players. That's to accept it's no fault of you know, the coaching staff. That's that something's gone on in the back room. Um, the decision to you know, go youth first, you know, just to that there's no money or not to spend money or whatever. And it's having catastrophic results. And, you know, it's, it's going to take, you know, almost a miracle to see them, you know, survive. Yeah, you know, the season. I, I think already. Yeah, you know, after eight games. Yeah, I think life in FQPL may be in uh, Strikers' futures. Unfortunately, it probably is. And you can hear more about that on our weekly show on Sunday night, recapping everything in the MPL, Queensland, FQPL, and the women's as well. So there's plenty on there, including interviews with plenty of coaches. So check that out out each Sunday. Now we'll move on to the preview for the next, for the week. First up, Adelaide away on Sunday for the Raw Scott. I mean. They've played 50 times. Raw have won 19, lost 22, and draw 9. And there's always madness in these fixtures. That's the one thing I can remember. Red cards, players going out with concussion. Was it Stefan Mork went down with concussion? Thomas Christensen ends up playing in goal. I mean, what sort of madness are we going to see on Sunday down there in Adelaide? Uh, well, hopefully not too much madness. I mean, I know Richard's going down there, so I mean, something madness there will be him streaking across the field with a, with his wig over him. But I, would, I, I can't imagine that happening there. But um, I'm, I'm just hoping uh, Stephen Mork stays in his feet this game. I mean, he's he's whether he's concussed or he's diving for a penalty, bit of a controversial statement there. But I, I just hope the rule can come down there and go down there and get the result. It's it really is a six pointer. It's the it's the, it's a team above us that have a, a, the same game in hand on us, and if they, if they can get a win there, they can really push for um, that top two spot there. But it, it will be interesting to see. Hopefully, uh, the Raw can uh, put a few goals in the net and hopefully keep out the uh, the likes of Mohamed Torre and Alassane and Tommy Urich up there. Oh, down there, sorry. <laughs> it wouldn't be an Adelaide away game without some chaos, though, would it, Adam? Yeah, that's right. No, I think um, just on, on Stefan Mork, I think you, you mentioned concussion and red card. I think he actually did in the same action where he actually got concussed and sent off last time. I remember down at uh, down at Cooper's. So um, when he was when he was a raw player, but yeah, look, um, two sides are in in, in decent form. Um, obviously, another sort of you know preview for the finals. Two sides that, that will be more than likely you know will be battling out for you know home finals perhaps, and maybe even you know that that second that second place finish and uh, a buy in the first week. So. Yeah, look, it, it, these games always, uh, it's 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 always sort of, you know, chaos. But I think the one thing I'd like to see is the return of Redwig Steve to uh, confront Richard Raw. Now, that would be something. That would be something. But in order to bring it back to the football, I'd love to see that match. Yeah, sorry. Like, sorry that, I'm like, like if it happen on the field, I would love to have them in the same and right there, sort of. But of these two games with Adelaide away and Perth, how many points do you think the Raw need 
to pick up in these two games in order to not just maintain their place in the top six, but actually start pushing for that home final. Like many points you think they need to pick up? I think four out of six. I think um, if, it almost becomes, as far as, you know, getting up higher in the play, in the uh, finals places, if if they can beat Adelaide in Adelaide, then, you know, maybe you know, maybe then it's a case of, well, I can have another free hit. But, uh, yeah, if, if they do lose to Adelaide, uh, then it, it starts to become... It's us becoming, you know, about, oh, they, they need to start actually must win as far as, you know, otherwise they start looking behind them and, you know, who's actually coming. So it's all about keeping destiny in their hands. I think, you know, they, they are they are eight from nine uh, unbeaten. So, so yeah, so it's, so, so yeah, it's, it's a good you know, opportunity for them, you know, to, to go on the road where they seem to have the form. The, the road form has been, has actually been quite good. So to go, to go away and actually, um, you know, perform well in Adelaide, that would be a good thing. And also as well, they've got a um, a five-day break, so which is more than usual. It certainly is more than usual. Just correction, I said it's Perth at home midweek. It's actually Melbourne City, Scott. So four points out of 16, that sounds like about about the expectations that they all need to meet to try and push into the top top four. Well, I think four out of six will be a really good uh, result for the Raw. There, I can definitely see uh, it, it going either way. I mean, the the, the actual the main the main performance is down in Adelaide there because Melbourne City obviously they're a good side. Adelaide seems to be more of a beatable side there. But in saying that, the Raw could if they if they play the way that they have in the past. I mean, if you have to look back a, a little bit to the, see the dominant performance against Central Coast and Melbourne Victory, if they can put a few goals in in this game here, then I'm sure that they'll get the win because the. The defense there is for the Roar is the best in the league, uh, arguably with the with the back the back five or the back three with the two wing backs, whatever you want to call it, with Jamie Young and goals there. The de- defensively for the last two seasons they've been really well structured and it, whether or not it's a different formation or a different way of playing formation, they can also attack the season, which is great to see. Um, so I think if the Roar can put a few goals past Adelaide, if they can get if maybe score two goals, I think they'll win the game. Uh, but I, I think it will be a tough ask to get all six points there. But obviously, I would love to see it. I think, I think, yeah, four points from the um, for the next two games would be a, a great result for the Raw. It would. And just quickly, would, would you make any changes to the team from midweek? I mean, do you think Tom Aldridge could be back? Jesse Daly will be back from suspension. Do you reckon we might see a couple of changes? I think possibly. I think I think with the, with the five day break, we might see Tommy Aldridge come back into the team. Whether or not he, I, I wouldn't think he'd be in the squad and be on the bench. So I think if we see him named, he'd probably be starting. Uh, a, bit, a bit like Jamie Young when uh, when he was named with Freak. Even though Jamie Young's there, you can't really see him on the pine there. So I think yeah, we 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 might see um, Tommy Aldridge coming back in there. Uh, and I, I would like I would like to see someone like an Alex Parsons or a, a Cyrus Demi come in and get a bit of a chance down there to. Um, show what they can do for maybe 60 minutes of the game. Uh, I, w- I would like to suggest uh, Jesse Daly come back in there, even though Akbaru um, has been great, and also Danny Kim as well. Maybe get a, see a, a bit more game time with those ones there and just rotate that midfield. I think Joe uh, J- 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 Shea has to stay. I mean, he's been he's been class for us, and he's uh, may- maybe if he plays a little bit deeper, I mean, he, he's been, he, he came to the Roar as a numbers hand, and he's been playing a bit more of an eight this season and gives him a bit more time on the ball with uh, Akbaru playing more of a six. So it, 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 I think defensively, it'll probably be more rock solid there. We probably won't see as many changes. And maybe in the top, um, the middle of the top third there, we might see a few changes there. Well, O'Shea is actually the only player who's played every minute of every game, Adam, so I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. But do, do, it does sound like Tom Aldridge is close, doesn't it? Do you think he probably would come back in? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Scott there that I think that, yeah, if Tom Aldridge's named, he plays. I think he, you, you're not going to put, you're not going to stick him on the bench uh, at any time. He's, he's, he's a player that, you know, will, that, that, will start 
you know, and the only time he will not play is because he's injured. Um, but look, I actually, I also agree that the fact that this is a, a Adelaide is a sort of opponent that you could probably, you know, pay to actually again to, to roll the dice and maybe you know go with a bit of shock tactic. You know, maybe an Alex Pastor starting, maybe even a Soros Demi, um, you know, starting just, just to sort of change it up. I think against Melbourne City, I think you've got to play your best eleven. I think because I think that's what their their form requires that, and you know, I think you know you got to think more solidly as far as defence rather than you know, attack. But I think it's Adelaide. I think Adelaide, you know, have shown times that they can they can get laps in defence from time to time. I think this is where you might want to play, you know, a more sort of, you know, attacking style against them. Because I think the defence, obviously, the defence will be will take care of itself. It is it is the best best defence in the league. But attacking wise, I think that's where the Raws sometimes have lacked. And I think that's where you maybe just change it up, you know, and who knows? Who knows what could happen? Absolutely. Keep going. What will we be talking about on the show next week? Uh, that's two two games to be done, won't it? Yep. Uh, I think uh, Raw claim four out of six points to keep their push up the uh, up the table. Scott, uh, I think we'll be talking about the Raw of real contenders for the A League Championship this season. I think we'll be talking about the fact that the A League table is still as tight as ever as teams continue to fight for that second spot. But we'll have to wait and see. That'll do it for this edition of the Brisbane Football. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good to have you back on the show once again, Scott. Hopefully James is back next week. We'll have to wait and see. But for now, get out and enjoy the football over the weekend in the NPL and up at Dolphin Stadium midweek. But we'll talk to you again next week on the Brisbane Football Review.